Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. I'm really excited to introduce artist Dylan Reese. A song that was just playing is actually his newest song called Out of Pocket. Today we talk about a variety of things from how he's adjusted to the circumstances around us, how he very first started making music with a rock band mic, and all about his previous music, new music, and his plans he's got coming soon. What have you kind of been up to lately just in the kind of craziness of the world? Yeah, man, it's, uh, it's crazy times, bro. Um, but honestly, on a personal level, it's been great to kind of not have to like focus on what's next touring wise because that's pretty much just out of the question so that's been like something i've been really focused on the past year and a half ish and i've been on the road consistently doing shows and just doing a ton of things you know so i haven't really been in a groove of like i'm in one place being home just recording and just like focusing on content or like projects whatever it is you know like i've always been pretty consistent with that like in between i've been able to pump out a bunch of content like while doing the other stuff but it's been nice to not even think about tour and just kind of let that be what it's going to be you know because yeah it's not up to us it's not up to me it's not up to any agent it's like the world is shut down you know so yeah um it's been great to just make music and get super organized and then also you know learn new things try different stuff like i recently started working at the distribution company that i use for my music so it's like i'm an artist that distributes through that music and or through that company and now i've become an anr and like started kind of like a sub label under them so i'm like signing other music working with other artists kind of learning the ins and outs of like that side as well so oh, wow it's been a lot of like not not just like creative stuff just trying to think about strategy and like shape kind of something long term that i can really just shape into whatever is going to be next you know after i'm touring mm -hmm. i'm 45 i still want to be able to be working in music and be making a difference whether that's with other artists or whatever the case may be you know so just yeah trying yeah. to wear as many hats as i can no that's awesome that's really cool to kind of think um about two three steps ahead too and then stuff that you kind of get yeah. out and doing that also like i mix a ton of music for other artists mm -hmm. i do graphic design for myself and other artists oh cool like there's just so much stuff i'm doing like at once mm -hmm. so it's like every day is kind of just i take what's thrown at me and i just get it done that's why i'm super busy yeah no i feel but that dude. great and i feel like now it's a lot of time like all that um is heightened just because like everyone's kind of inside so everyone's kind of been able to slow down and work on their craft or work on this or need new co need to post new content because now people are so many more people are going on social media i mean there already was so much yeah. but just continuing now to 
And this is like a really good opportunity, especially for artists to like get either the music out there or different types of business that they can too, which is cool. So what kind of podcasts you've been listening to? I know you mentioned that um, without that, it would have been going crazy. So Yeah. So I've always been a huge podcast listener. Same. The reason for that being is because I'm always making music or working on music in some capacity. So like whether it's like I'm working out or I'm just chilling, like whatever it is throughout the day, I always have a podcast on, uh, you know, whether that's in my headphones or up on the screen, whatever, just kind of like as background as I'm working on stuff. Yeah. Cause I just don't listen to a ton of music like for pleasure at this point, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, I need to like take a break from that part of my brain. So I've always been a huge podcast, you know, yeah. uh, listener and supporter. But honestly, I listen to mostly like comedy just because that's mm-hmm. a whole nother side of like what I love. So I listen to like your mom's house podcast, mm-hmm. Tom Segura and his wife. I don't know if you're in the comedy world at all, if you know any about mm-hmm. uh, Bert Kreischer, Joe mm-hmm. Rogan, of course. Oh, that's yeah. not only comedy. Um, but yeah, kind of just in that in that world. And then also Joe Budden. Um, oh, yeah. Bill Simmons, the ringer for like NBA stuff. I'm a huge NBA fan, so there's never a shortage of content, which I love. Like I said on Twitter, like that would be if that was gone, (laughs) I don't know how I'd be occupying my like headspace. You know, it'd Mm -hmm. be tough to be like satisfied entertainment wise (laughs) because like everything is shut down. For sure, I'm the same way too. I like having just like that, whether it's just background noise of something different. I was, I'm always curious because there's been times. Like, I'll just be listening to music, and I just feel like I've been listening to so much music, I kind of just need a break. So I can especially kind of imagine for an artist to try to do that as well, too. So uh, one thing I really like doing is just kind of kind of hearing your story from, like, kind of the ground up and kind of what yeah. you've overcame, what you've seen, all that type of stuff. So to get start from that beginning there, um, where did music even come as, like, an idea? Where, when did you start even first thinking about even making music, starting it, all that type of stuff? So... Sorry. I started recording music in like 2008 mm-hmm. and uh, that was I mean I don't know it's hard to it's hard to pinpoint like when I actually started because it's such a blur but I know like the first taste of it was me and a lot of my homies in high school were literally just screwing around and you know that was what, like the era of like Lil Wayne mixtapes, Asher mm-hmm. Roth mixtapes, like all, DJ Cannon, shit like that. So it was just a <laughs> lot of like instrumentals were starting to be released on YouTube and like that just became available. And I was like, damn, that's so cool. Like, because I like when you're a kid, you don't even think about like, this is the instrumental, this is production, this is an artist that is, it's just like, oh yeah, the song came out and it's just like one thing. You don't even really yeah. think about the pieces or the process of how to make that <laughs> exist, right? It's just like, Lil Wayne, it's like, it's not even real, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, like, yeah, we were just like, basically me and my homie TJ, uh, who I'm still friends with, he, uh, he had some, like, weird idea to make videos on his webcam, like, doing, like, parody raps to, like, popular beats. So, like, we made a song about, like, Yao Ming. We made a song about, uh... Like, I don't even remember, like, what some of them were, but it was just dumb shit, and it was supposed to be funny. Mm-hmm. So, like, he would just do those. Like, we weren't recording music. They were just, like, basically singing and rapping into the webcam, just like this, and then just uploading it right to YouTube and just, like, whatever. 
but a bunch of people like in our school was watching them because it was funny and then it got to the point where like we were doing it every weekend just to like make a new video that week because everyone was talking about it so it was just fun and then i was like out writing everyone that we were doing it like i had started writing their verses and they were just like yo how are you good at this i'm like i don't know i mean obviously i wasn't good you know i wasn't good at it but it's like i had ideas that i can make words rhyme or whatever so they were just like yo you should like actually rap like get a mic and stuff and i'm just like but what do you like we're, we're from should compete massachusetts like no one raps like how's that even feel you know what i mean yeah so long story short i got a i got hold of my homies like rock band mic from the game rock band which is obviously <laughs> shitty and i started just recording just on my like mom's computer that was in my house which is a complete piece of shit the like, rock no band mix. mic yeah bro no mix no nothing <sighs> like i was just pulling up beats rapping all the way through the song and just like putting that out on facebook and people were just like yeah this is dope this shit was not dope bro. i'm here to tell you it was it was atrocious it was horrible and i made a ton of music like by the time i like knew how to mix songs and whatnot or at least like to a degree where it was like all right this is like a real thing and i was like playing shows in like 2013 ish i'd already put out like 10 mixtapes worth of songs that were just horrible like literally so bad but i was learning and like studying like how people actually like rapped and i was only rapping i wasn't singing or anything yet it was just it was just pure fun man and people just it was just like my friend group it wasn't even like there was hundreds or even thousands of people or whatever it was just like 20 kids that i was friends with who were like oh shit's dope i like this bar i like that whatever and he just made me feel like i could do it so i appreciate the blind like kind of confidence in me because no one knew what the hell we were talking about we were just doing it yeah but that's what made me like that if i took time and got good it could be a thing you know and uh yeah yeah it just kind of never stopped man and it's, it's uh just you know, just kind of parked at this point you know it's, it's been 10 years maybe more since like really like recording music like trying to figure this out and uh yeah just strange this mm-hmm. is about this complete but yeah it was good it was a fun time no yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think it was, yeah like you said it's very necessary to yeah like you did like you said you had like 10 mixtapes worth of music but it was really necessary like you said to learn everything and figure everything out so like when it was time to actually and grow and things you kind of already had that knowledge too so that's i think it's cool and interesting it reminds me of i don't know it reminds me of russ too i remember when he just made tons of music tons of music and then he just like realized like, i'm gonna hold it i'm just gonna stop like he was learning so much and he just kept having that end in mind type thing um when you first started making music did you uh, when i say first i kind of after maybe at that point did you kind of how do you see yourself like in the future like because i know um with making music or especially as like a career um it's there's a lot of risk you know just, there's not like that there's, there's not it's not like you go to college and you get your job and this and that but it's like a lot of risk so kind of where do you see yourself maybe was it different is it similar to where it is now that type of thing i mean i think just like anyone else i was very naive to like how the music industry works and how to like monetize what you're doing i mean because this is also pre-internet also so in my head i'm like I just gotta keep making songs and like eventually somebody's just gonna sign me and I'm gonna be a millionaire and I'm gonna be famous like 
immediately, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's just how I thought it worked because that's how the public sees a lot of things. You know, they're like, oh, this dude came out of nowhere. Like, he's on radio now and he's famous. We should buy his merch and go to the show and yeah. great. You know, he just <laughs> fucking figured it out. But it's <laughs> like, you don't think that you don't see or even think about as a regular consumer what went into that and like how he got to that point or like what he knows on how to get himself into that position of leverage or whatever you know and like I said pre, pre-internet pre so I was like I was happy just printing mixtapes that I made in my house and just selling them at school because I would come home with like a couple hundred bucks every week and I was just like I'm good now. Like, what else do I need to do? You know what I mean? But it's like, that's so obviously awesome. that's not sustainable forever, you know? Like, that's kind of just how I thought it was. And I was like, yo, I'm going to keep selling these CDs, five bucks, whatever it is. And like, one day, like, you know, Dr. Dre is going to hear it and I'm fucking out of here. Like, yeah. I'm moving out and, you know, I'm a star now. You know, that that's just like what, the, that's how everyone thought, I think, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's obviously way different. You know, like, I'm not signed to a label. Uh, I understand how to monetize things on the internet, how to translate that into merch sales, ticket sales, Mm -hmm. like, the value of collaborating with different artists, um, creating a brand that people are going to be interested in and and want to buy into. It's like, there's so many things that you can do by yourself um, that are substantial if you do it right and you, like, think about it strategically where it's like, you don't necessarily need that. I mean, sometimes, obviously, a label can still be helpful. That's nothing I'm ruling out, obviously. Yeah. You know, if it makes sense, it makes sense. But, yeah, man, it's just years. And, you know, you ever heard, like, the 10,000 hours thing? It's like, I feel like I'm well beyond that. Yeah. I kind of just know what works for me, what doesn't, and, like, where I fit in things. And, like, I'm comfortable with who I am and the music I make. So mm-hmm. now it's just about scaling that slowly but surely you know and just yeah. keep making I love you know it's not really about maybe a famous tomorrow you know it's just like I make a living this is great I do what I love I have great friends you know they do the same thing it's yeah. awesome it's, it's just it's funny to think about when I'm when I was 19 20 you know I'm 27 now and just like think about like the way I thought about it it was just so dumb but yeah it takes that to learn it, I guess. Yeah, unless you have someone teaching you, which I didn't. I was from the middle of nowhere in Massachusetts. There's no music industry, you know. So. Yeah. Um, so you talked about like just record label in the music industry. So I'm kind of curious as like a perspective, someone that actually makes music and is an artist within it. Kind of like, cause I know there's some. I've just like seen through social media and different talks and videos and just like the kind of heat with like the music industry or record labels. I'm curious on like what your just kind of perspective is on like pros cons. I know there's a lot of negativity towards some of it. I haven't really seen much of the positive side, and that's really only on social media. But I'm just curious, kind of your perspective on on that. Yeah. Well, I think just to be transparent, I think a lot of those conversations are started from people that aren't in the music industry, and they're more so making assumptions on what they think happens and what doesn't. Like, obviously, I've never been signed to a label before, so I can't speak to it all the way, but I have a handful of friends who either were or are signed to majors, and there's definitely a lot of good that can come out of it, 
It's just about because it's like every deal is different. It's not about it's not as black and white as it once was where it's like you're signed to a label this happens this happens this is what it means for you this is how much money you make it's it's very gray and i feel like if you build yourself into a position of leverage um where you're bringing value to that company who has a lot of resources and capital that they could potentially invest in what you're doing it can be a win-win you know but i also think that that happens a lot less than you know the other way where a company is taking full advantage of an artist because mm-hmm. they don't know what the hell they have or what they could be doing or what they should be doing they just don't understand the basics basically and that's how okay. people kind of fall into like signing a long-term deal or now you owe a company that being the record label a ton of music or you have to make x amount of money before you get paid because they gave you an advance yeah, at this point, you can kind of deliver almost everything that a record label can give you by yourself, but it's going to mm-hmm. take longer, and and you're going to have to be great at building relationships in order to like receive those things. Like it's hard to to have major collaborations without a record label where they could just make a phone call for you and go, yeah, there's the guy, here's what it costs, mm-hmm. we'll pay for it, we own this part of it, and now here we go, we offer the races, you know. Cool. But if you want to do that by yourself, you can do it, but you have to find a way to call this person, that person. You have to fund it, you know, because everything is going to cost money. That is, you know, it's just you get what you put in, basically. Mm-hmm. So if you find a way to be able to do that yourself, great, you know. But a lot of people aren't, a lot of artists aren't business minded or have someone around them that, like, understands the industry. Mm-hmm. So they hear, Yo, we can make this. We can do this, this, and that. Great. I don't give a fuck what happens. Like, just make it happen. I just want to make my songs and get on with my life. You know. Yeah. But then on the other side of that, that's where they become disappointed because they're not taking control of, you know, the outcome. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. They opened a lot. That yeah. Can, that it can make. You know, it's not all bad, and that's yeah. like, for my own. Because I'm not on a label. I don't own a label. Like, you know what I'm saying? But it's. It's just the truth. Like I have, I know artists that are signed to labels that are very happy with their situation. Mm-hmm. But that's because they did it in a knowledgeable way, and it's like fair. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I think it kind of goes back to what you're saying. Is that like, it really depends on um, their situation. Like if it's like, yo, I just want to make music. Or I just want to do this, and they don't have that business aspect, and they can use that. Yeah. They can utilize that. But it's kind of knowing, um, like what they're going to get out of it and what what's going to happen. So. It's just it's just understanding the the land. Oh, and the terminology, like, what does this actually mean for me, you know? Yeah. I think people just see the advance, you know, the check that they're going to get. Without realizing, like, oh, this this has to be recouped before I get paid for anything else. So if you're just going to be like, yeah, just give me 70 grand for this album, it's like, that's really not a lot of money in the real world, especially if you're making an album that you're expecting to go platinum or whatever it is mm-hmm. like that's not gonna get you shit you know what i'm saying yeah. and then you're gonna be out of money and now someone owns your music and you can't do anything but it's like that's your fault you put yourself in that position because you wanted mm-hmm. to check right away which seems a lot prettier than what it actually is by the time you get taxed you pay your lawyer whatever it is it's like yeah. where am i left with you know yeah so i think a lot of people don't like, yeah no that's interesting like, like, 
how have you kind of had to overcome just like self-doubt, doubt from other people, and that kind of process through um, just continue to get to where you are today? Yeah. Um, it's interesting, and, I, and this is something that I think I definitely take for granted sometimes. Um, I've never, like, doubted myself. Now, it sounds like so, like, such like a blanket statement, and I know not everyone has the ability to, like, think that way, and I feel blessed that, like, my mental health is just at a very strong place, like, where, to the fact where I don't even fathom, like, what if I fail or whatever, it's like, I'll fucking figure it out. You know, it's all just a learning curve, and it's every step will lead to something else, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I've never really doubted myself, even when I probably should have. Like I said, with that mm-hmm. blind confidence, like I didn't even know what I was doing, and I was just like, "Yeah, let's just book these shows and see what happens, and you know, it'll be <laughs> fine." <laughs> it's like I'm right, not ready for this. Uh, uh, but as far as like other people doubting me, I think I had a lot of support, like from my home area, like right away, that gave me that confidence mm-hmm. again, where it's like I can do this. Again, even if I didn't deserve it, that's kind of how it just went down. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I grew up playing basketball. I, I ended up playing basketball in college a little bit, and I'm five for five, and I'm white, and I'm not very fast. <laughs> so that's not ne- necessarily the formula to be like a top level athlete, especially in basketball, right? So before I was doing the music thing, that was like my whole life. Uh, and that's what I believed I was going to do. I thought I was going to the NBA. Unfortunately, I forgot to grow past 5'5", five, five, so that didn't help me. Um, <laughs> there was a ton of people that doubted that dream of even playing in college. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So whether it be like opposing coaches or like certain trainers I had worked with or like even teammates or whoever, right? So it was always just like I had that mindset from a really young age of like, 13, 14, it's like, yo, I don't care. Like, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to outwork everybody here. Yeah. be the last one to leave the gym, first one in it. Uh, you know, like, I'm doing drills in the park by myself. I play every day. I'm lifting weights. I'm doing the whole thing, right? So it's like I kind of had that mindset of just, like, playing the long game and not giving up yeah. until I reached my goal anyway. And it was, it was kind of easy to – not easy, but it was easier to apply that to music where I kind of already did it once, you know? Yeah. Not like I was some, like, superstar athlete, but it's like I got a scholarship to play basketball. That's what I wanted to do, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, all right, I can do it. I can do this, too. Like, why couldn't I? Why can't I? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of the way I thought about it. So anyone else that ever doubted it was just like, they don't they don't know. And <laughs> I didn't know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That, that was just, like, my perspective. Like, I just kind of... I'm pretty good at, like, not giving a fuck, man. That's, mm-hmm. like, really what it comes <laughs> like, I just do my thing, man. Yeah. I think it's that, that mindset, too. You know, you have the work ethic, but it's that mindset of, no, I'm going to do this, I'm going to put full thought into it and not worry about all the negativity and this and that or that. It's just kind of having the opportunities yep. in front of you and going for it. And that's awesome. So one main thing is how does one make it as an independent artist, like, in today's world? It's... The thing is, there's not an answer to that other than just being super consistent. Uh, I think what a lot of people's main issue is, they overthink what they're doing and they're just afraid to hear no or or like put out a song and not see the results they want right away. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like now when I put out music, 
I have a pretty strong but small like core audience that's gonna be there to listen to that yeah. at the very least, right? So it's like this isn't the song that blows up or gets to you know a million plays or whatever. Cool. I know I have kind of like a baseline of like here's where we can get it to. I know there's people listening. When I drop this, I'm gonna get X amount of DMs and this many people bumping it or whatever, right? Like, it wasn't always that way. It's just about learning what, like, kind of your baseline is and just figuring out ways to, like, improve that rather than comparing yourself to, like, Drake or, like, even the hottest dude in your city or whatever, you know? Yeah. Uh, because people are like, yo, I put my song out and I only got 100 plays that means I suck and my next song is going to do the same thing. I'm just going to keep not getting better. And it's like, I'll tell you one way you're not going to keep growing is if you stop putting music out and you're in your own head thinking about that, mm -hmm. you know, like I, I was, I was that dude too. I was dude getting a hundred plays. Everybody was at one point, you know, mm -hmm. but just the, the factor of never stopping and just mm -hmm. being okay with, you know, like get a hundred plays. Next one, get 105. That's a step up. You know what I'm saying? Uh, mm -hmm. And it's also not about, not all about numbers. Like, obviously, that does take a part in it because, one, that's the way you monetize your streams. Two, you want more people to hear your music. Three, yeah, it looks great when other artists are looking at your stuff or whoever it is. Like, it's a, a lot of it is smoke and mirrors at the end of the day, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's great to have that presence and it feeds your ego and it makes you feel like you're doing the right thing. But you could have all the plays in the world, but if, if that song doesn't, like, touch somebody or do something for, like, what the audience is that you're catering to, it's like, that's here today, gone tomorrow. You know, it's about creating that connection with people listening, yeah. and that's, like, the biggest. So I have tons of songs that are a smaller song that maybe have 20,000 instead of 200,000, right? But it's like... I go to a show and someone's like, that's my favorite song ever and it did this and that. I'm glad I made that song. I'm glad I put it out. That's right? awesome. So I don't even really think about that too much at this point. But it's easy to say that when you have, when I'm at, when you're at the point of like succeeding, even on a small scale, right? Mm -hmm. so it's just about kind of training yourself to be okay with it and just keep going. If you actually love it, it's going to pan out eventually. Or you just you'll find out that you're not good enough and you should be okay with that if you like actually love what you're doing you know what mm -hmm. i'm saying yeah like, not everyone can be a big artist like not everyone can even make a living some people don't make music that's good enough and that's probably tough to hear for some people but that's just a fact but you're not going to find out if you don't put the work in and actually try mm -hmm. you know yeah because then if you do that then you have zero chance you have zero chance yeah that you would you rather have two percent chance or zero? Yeah. <laughs> Someone wakes up for their first song and they're just like, "Yep, about to blow up," and then it works. And it's not, it's not magic. It takes a long time. You know? Yeah. So you've bounced around with multiple different genres uh, throughout the time, whether it's pop, rap, hip hop, R and B, that type of stuff. So I'm curious, um, like, do you have a favorite type? Does, um, do you just kind of make a song whatever you're feeling, what you're vibing with during the time, or what's kind of your your um, evolution as an artist throughout those different times? Yeah, um, it's a good question. So I started out as only rapping because in my head, I thought that was the only thing that I was capable of doing um, because it didn't take like a certain level of like musical talent to be able to 
rhyme words. Like you could kind of teach yourself to be like, I can rap fast now. I can listen to this and study that. But if you can't sing, you can't sing, and that's just that, right? Mm -hmm. That's kind of how I about it. So I made rap myself long. But I've always been super drawn to R and B and pop, like from a taste perspective as a consumer. Mm -hmm. So I think eventually, around like 2013, 2014. I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna try. It's not gonna be great. And it wasn't, you know, I wasn't not a good singer when I first trying, started trying to sing. And I don't know, I think I just kind of trained those muscles and just taught myself, you know, by ear and just practicing, listening to things and studying the technicalities of some of my favorite artists that are, you know, in that realm. Yeah. And eventually it just started clicking and now it's like, I kind of feel like I can do whatever. Like I'm kind of limitless from a creative standpoint where vocally I'm very confident and also I'm very confident in my writing ability because I started out as just a rapper. So there was like mm -hmm. a lot of multi-syllable timing where maybe I don't apply that all the time depending on the song. And now within the past year, I've been learning way more about how to write pop songs like structurally and like texturally there's a lot that goes into that that people don't understand and I did not understand until even a few months ago like I'm still in the process of learning that so like I'm excited to put that stuff out it'll probably be next year honestly but just like the different styles of songwriting and learning it um, it's been a process like yeah. going with himself but like I said I've been doing this for so long it, it's kind of it, it all comes pretty naturally to me at this point but yeah, my favorite is always going to be the army stuff, uh, and cool. I think that unfortunately has the shortest like shelf life and reach sometimes, mm -hmm. just because the world as a whole doesn't appreciate R&B like the way I do or like some of my friends do. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm still going to make it always because I love it. Um, the rap stuff I just started getting back into recently. Because last started the Rap Dylan project. I don't mm -hmm. know how familiar my whole catalog or whatever, but mm -hmm. I did that basically because I got a lot of new fans through collaborating with a ton of artists that happen to be rappers. Um, and I think I've kind of got a new level of like listenership after I stopped rapping and just made like the R&B and pop stuff. So I think like when those people discover me, they didn't really know that I was a rapper or could rap. Like I'm always like the guy on the hook, right? For like mm -hmm. all those collaborations. Yeah. And I just kind of wanted to prove like, yo, yeah, I can do those and those are fun, cool. But like I rap better than everybody or just as well. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. don't get it fucked up basically. Like the first project was kind of me like proving to every all those new people like, don't sleep on that side of me as well. Like, yeah. I can do that if you want. But I didn't really think about that as a project. Like, I made that I made that whole project in, like, a week. And I was just like, oh. I'm just going to put this out, see what happens. You know, like, whatever. Because I was always focusing on what my next album was going to be. And it was always, like, centered around R&B, soul music. You know, like, Vanilla, Morning Coffee. That's kind of where I was at. And I was like, I'm going to make the next one. But then I made the draft shit just because it was fun. And I was just talking a lot of shit, honestly. It was fun. <laughs> and then people ended up liking it a lot. So I was like, damn, maybe I should not, like, lock that off and be, like, 
not afraid of it, but I was always just like, yeah, I don't want to be a rapper. Like I'm, I'm like more talented than a rapper. Like that's kind of how mm-hmm. I thought about it, which is like so fucking dumb. Because if you make good songs, <laughs> you make good songs. Yeah. Another rapper, right? So yeah, I was just like, I'm gonna make that into a series and just do that like, you know, once a year and just kind of make it almost like, almost like an alter ego in a way, you know? Yeah. Have those different. Um different types of songs different types of music that you can create especially now that you kind of um, still love doing them all you can kind of dabble with each one and oh you want to do this okay you want to do this and now it kind of it builds up that kind of I don't say credibility but like yo I can rap I can do this I can do this and now it's just kind of whatever you're feeling so that's it's cool so what's kind of your uh, uh, vision for rap dealing too I know you kind of started it and then the whole just kind of with the protests and everything that was going on you kind of felt like Utopia the newest song um, was like yeah. it was right it was more right for the time um so kind of just the thought process on that, um, that switch up there. Yeah. Uh, so Rap Dylan 2, I, I've taken way more time on Rap Dylan 2 than I did on 1 and, like, treated it as, like, a real, quote-unquote, album um, because I thought, like, I'm going to make this a series. I want to, like, really hammer home the brand of it and make sure people understand that's, like, when this happens, like, this is what we're going to be getting. And then, like, when, like, the regular Dylan Reese album is going to be the other stuff, more melodic, like, mm-hmm. he's pouring out his feelings and, sh- you know, sharing a message, not just, like, having fun and making rap songs. That's yeah. kind of how I have blocked it off in my head. Like, the rap stuff, I'm just saying whatever, having fun, making cool music, people can party too, whatever. But the other stuff, it's like, that's where I really try to dive into my artistry and, like, say what I want to say that represents like that time of my life you know yeah um and I want and I think I did it a little bit on Pretty Pretty Record where I Mm. sprinkled rap pieces into it but it still felt very soulful and like every word was placed really carefully it wasn't just like watch how cool I can rap on this cool beat right um so yeah Rap Dylan 2 has been done for a, a while I started it uh like top of the year so it's been done for a minute, seven songs total. Mm-hmm. Um, first two singles are out, obviously, which I love those. Mm-hmm. And yeah, man, I mean, in light of everything that's going on, the protesting and social injustice and whatnot, I, the, the third single was literally just me talking shit and being super braggadocious. And it was just like a fun song, mm-hmm. which felt very out of pocket, which is ironic because the song is called Out of Pocket. So I was just like, <laughs> Let me not. This is not what I need to say right now. Yeah. Uh, uh, and you know, That's Utopia kind of just happened where I felt very off for three, four days just with everything going on, and just kind of further educating myself on you know the social injustice with police and and all this, right? Mm-hmm. And. Uh, I couldn't write anything. It was hard for me to focus on anything where it was just like, I don't know. Like, just none, none of this seems like I should be thinking about it because it's very selfish and it's like the world is just fucked up. Yeah. Right? So that song honestly kind of just poured out of me when I was sitting right here at my desk right in front of me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just made it in like an hour. And I was, it, it was initially the, the production that you hear on it now was something that my keyboardist that I bring on tour, Sam, he plays all over all over my music, so mm-hmm. I have a ton of like 
random loops from, from him, like, on my computer that I will eventually, like, turn into a different song or add drums to or whatever with uh, Cryo or wh- whatever producer I'm working yeah. with. I have a ton of, like, kind of samples type of thing. And I just heard it, and I've had that since November, since we were on tour, and it was on my computer. I haven't heard it since then. And that song just happened, and I was like, I'm not even going to touch it. It's just these keys are beautiful. It made me say what I was going to say. Yeah. Let me just put this out and kind of say my piece. Um, and also kind of do my part and give back to yeah. something that makes sense. So I had a ton of conversations with friends of mine and mm-hmm. just kind of thought about it. And I was like, yeah, I think this is just the right move to kind of put the rap stuff on hold and make this less about me. Yeah. Um, because it's not about me or any of us individually. It's about humanity you know as a whole and yeah. like things need to be said people need to educate themselves at the very least you know for um, sure man that was kind of my piece and uh yeah not that that's over or like change has already mm-hmm. happened or whatever like still very much reading into that and having those conversations mm-hmm. uh, but the rap stuff is going to start back up on Friday, so two days from right now. But I cool. gave it basically like a week pause of like, let me just say this and then yeah. get back to it, you know? Cool. Um, it's exciting. But yeah, selfishly, it felt great to say that out loud. Mm-hmm. And it, feel, it felt great where I can like, you know, not continue on as normal, but. Yeah. No, I got you. feel better out of where it's like, yo, I expressed it. People know where I stand. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. So. No, yeah. I agree. I think it was really smart. You could definitely just tell. It was a different kind of vibe that it was more soulful, more messenger, and that, like, it's something you definitely took time to think about and everything. That's what was so great about it. You're. So, I kind of have a question about the song Crucial. Did you say. So, you said you wrote that kind of a while back? Yeah. That was, like, one of the first ones I made for Rap Dylan. I want to say it was. It's probably in January, so not like January. super far, but January. yeah. The reason I ask is because I was just kind of curious, I, and it could have no relation at all, but I don't know, it could be just my um, perspective or opinion on it, I don't mean to offend in any way, but it kind of, just like the beat of it and the whole vibe of it, um, just kind of reminded me of like like one of those like sounds like on TikTok or something like that that people would dance to. Did you have any mind um, within making that, whether it's the music, the beat, the lyrics, anything like that? Um, uh, have anything in mind with that of that kind of song maybe go viral because i know some people started using that sound and then you're like yo shoot this is this is dope so then you did a little contest and everything and that took off and had like i think it was like 600 and i looked at it the other day it was like 600 something videos so yeah. did you kind of have an idea like okay maybe this is an option or it kind of just happened you're like yo this is dope let's take try to take it to the next level it's crazy yeah that song happened because i didn't really know anything about tiktok like i knew that it existed and i knew that certain songs were like blowing up in that way but it's like i didn't know how or why or what i don't get it like (laughs) that was the first that was the first app that made me feel like old bro like i was like this is for like this is for some kids you know um but yeah so my homie rain who produced three out of the seven on the rap dylan project he's the one who produced that one and this was kind of the first time we were like working together. Like I've known him for a bit, but he ended up sending me a pack of a bunch of beats. Um, and I just heard that beat and I was just like, damn, I just rapped. I just literally just recorded it. Like that, that's honestly how it works. Like 
it's very off the cuff and that's why it's super important for me for like to have a home studio because I'm my own engineer and I, I can record I record by myself in a room it's not mm-hmm. like you know I hear something and I'm planning it for weeks writing it on a notepaper and I'm going to the studio I gotta do it now it's just like I hear it I think about it the song could be done in fucking 20 minutes sometimes it's just what it, it's how it works that's cool just tap right mm-hmm. other, other and other songs you know taking months because I need to think about it but I am at least recording ideas like right away when I have them. So like Crucial was definitely one of those and that's why that song is so short also where it was like just like a one hour thing where I was just having fun. Like that mm-hmm. was like the moment where I was like, I'm gonna do Rap Dylan too. It's just about having fun. I was just talking reckless and it had the cool bounce. It just feels good, man. You know, it just mm-hmm. sounded great. So it that's the long answer too. No, I had no clue. <laughs> and then when I sent it back to Rain, I was like, yo, I used this one. What do you think about it? He was like, bro, this shit's nuts. Like, I gotta go crazy. This, has, this is like a TikTok song. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. So I, I went on TikTok and just did research, and I was like, yeah, this is a TikTok song. Yes. I didn't even think about <laughs> it or no. And then, yeah, I, so I, I partnered with uh, my homies at Banger of the Day. For it, mm-hmm. um, they had they had some relationships for like TikTok stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so we basically put that in motion, and I was reaching out to a bunch of different like big influencers mm-hmm. on TikTok to have a big following, just to kind of try something different. Uh, and end up catching it. Now you got you know 600 videos or whatever it is. Yeah. Using the sound and a ton of new followers um, from that That's that awesome. hit me up like, yo, just heard this on TikTok. It's dope. Like. Damn, converted <laughs> doing you know it's one of my i think it is my fastest growing song on spotify like so far and i'm sure that tiktok helped there's no way to really know for sure yeah. but pretty pretty certain um so yeah it just kind of worked out man and, and yeah i don't really make like music like that obviously mm-hmm. so i was like let's just shoot my shot and see like you just <laughs> hit up these info maybe they'll answer me yeah you know, whatever yeah, it's kind of cool. Part of like the just the the artist and just create, just creating. Like, just you never know what's gonna pop here, what's yeah. gonna blow up here, what's gonna fit for this, whatever. You just kind of do it and kind of see what happens. That's cool. So the new song uh, "Switch" with Futuristic. Um, mm-hmm. How'd you go about just like working with him? And then that whole video was just like everyone. I feel like it's everyone's talking about that video because it was just so something like interesting and cool. That I feel like I've never seen. So just like the how it got created, the idea for it, and working with uh, Futuristic so yeah so I met Futuristic back in 15 2015 while on tour I was tour managing for uh, another artist that was opening on his tour that artist was TJ Hickey I don't know if you know him yeah so I was tour managing for TJ Um, I had no idea what a tour manager was or what I was supposed to be doing but it was something that just like kind of happened for me to like go learn things and just mm-hmm. on tour this was before i ever toured before a lot of stuff right so mm-hmm. basically just i ended up coming like pretty close with futuristic and like his crew and code break and, and everybody um so yeah just like soaked up a ton of game um cool learned about how like he approached merch and engaging like with fans just how he thought about like using the internet to like reach new people and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah right so get off tour we ended up doing a song together 
that was great for me at that time. It was like a huge look. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, we've both kind of grown from those points. Like obviously at different scales. Like he's still doing great, and he's done a ton of things since then, and, and so have I. And uh, we we've been in touch. We've remained friends, and just supporting each other. And then last fall, right before I went on a nationwide tour with this band called Catastro in November, he asked me to do like a couple of his dates. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, he wanted me to do more, I think, but I think the schedules were, like, conflicting or something, where I, I did, like, five shows with him on his last tour. That's dope. Um, brought me out, and that was super dope. Um, so, yeah, it was just kind of like, yo, let's make a new song. Like, we're due for one. Like, people don't know that old song, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I uh, recorded. So, you know, it's, like, two halves. Like, I had basically that first half with an open verse send it to him and then i developed the production more with um my boy matt kolb who produced that song and um he sent me that second beat like for like a different song and i was like now nah, we're gonna put these together and make one like <laughs> a fucking heater yeah so then i was like dope to have futuristic on this one also so i yeah. sent it back to him like, you drop another verse on this shit and he's like yeah this is crazy especially because <laughs> first side was already called like switch because that's what i said in the hook and then it was like switch the beat and then switch the whole yeah like two songs you know so it worked out it worked out well dope song the idea for the video um was actually supposed to be we're gonna shoot it in person like a normal music video because he lives uh he lives in arizona I'm, i'm in california but i was gonna go to his wedding actually oh wow but then it got canceled because of COVID and, and obviously everything got canceled because of yeah. COVID, everything shut down. So it was like, damn, not only can I not go to the wedding and hang out, we were supposed to shoot the video that weekend when I was there. Um, how the fuck am I gonna have visuals that are sick with everything's shut down? I can't rent any locations. I can't have a production. Like I can't do anything. Yeah. And I knew I, and I had a total different video planned for Crucial um which was obviously solo but i had like certain locations planted out i had a bunch of stuff rented it was gonna be like a big thing that i was gonna go big for yeah shot in my house literally in this room i think one of the scenes i'm actually sitting right here uh it was just kind of like all right well we got to make do so but i knew that was gonna do well uh once i kind of figured out like the tiktok idea and like i knew i just knew it was gonna be a big yeah a big thing so i was like i can't not have a video for switch like to follow that up i need to like hammer home that rap dylan is like a serious thing like it's not just like a side project this time mm-hmm. so i was like how can i like make this so i thought of the idea of doing like an animated video ended up connecting with william who did the video he owns polar desert studios uh, i met him through abstract uh, he oh, done, yeah. he's done a ton of he's done a ton of work with abstract so i met him through him and kind of pitched him the idea and he actually is from phoenix ironically so like kind of grew up listening to futuristic and was like oh shit this is awesome right so he was like super stoked up uh and then yeah we went back and forth on on like had a a couple different calls and he was just super easy to work with he totally like understood like my taste and like what my vision was yeah and he smoked it man like that kid is so talented 
I'm gonna be working with him a ton in the future. Like, maybe not full videos all the time, but like even just like I think that little character that we made, like for me, yeah, the cartoon version of me is gonna kind of adapt to like that's rap Dylan. You know what I'm saying? So like anytime I bring back that character, it's like that's him. Like you yeah. know, it's not a type of thing. So yeah, I'm stoked about it. It was dope. Yeah, dude. definitely my video that I've done for sure. Yeah. And it was great because I didn't have to physically do anything. It was just come up with the idea, you yeah. know, like get it done. Yeah, dude. So you said um, you were a tour manager and you obviously traveled um, all over. Um, do you have like any like just like funny or crazy like kind of tour moments or like highlights, um, like favorite arena, that type of stuff? Um, Dude, there's so like touring at the level that I'm at which is like not a huge level is so challenging not only like just mentally financially physically mm-hmm. every part of it is just so difficult and that's like the funnest part of it to me because like it's just so humbling like no matter who, what you're doing like even when you have a great show waiting for you that night to scale it's still like you're fucking nobody you know what i'm saying yeah it's like, you know, well, I did a show in San Francisco with the holdup, and I was opening for him. So it was like one of those off days where I didn't bring my crew and shit because it was just like a one-off, like, mm-hmm. yo, a show in San Francisco, I want I want you to open. I can pay you this much. It's not a lot, but come through. I have a sold-out show, like, for me. I want to basically put you on this and, like, help you, right? Damn. And that, I mean, so I'm like... Fuck yeah, let's do it. But it's like, you don't make enough to like, pay your band, pay your tour manager, pay your photographer, if it's just one show. It's just like, it doesn't make sense. Especially, I gotta fly and then fly back. (laughs) So, it's just like, okay, the show's there, and some of those photos from that show are like, the most epic photos that I've ever had. (laughs) Because there was like, six or seven hundred people like, sold out in San Francisco. Like, I had complete control of that crowd. And, like, some of them knew me because of my, the song that I had with Hold Up and, like, the tour that I did with him or whatever. And it was fucking dope, bro. Like, we killed it on merch. Yeah. Taking photos, 100 people after. It's fucking sick, right? Yeah. And then, like, right after that, you know, you get it done, you load out. <laughs> I leave the venue, and I'm in the streets of San Francisco by myself at, like, 1 in the morning. No one gives a fuck after, like, after that. <laughs> like, I'm just a random dude. And then I have to go sleep in, like, a $50 shitty hotel room that was so sketchy. Like, I thought I was going to fucking die. <laughs> and, like, sleep for 45 minutes and wake up and catch my flight at 5 a.m. Because that's the only one that was available. And that's just what it was. So it was, like, such a shitty, like, struggle. But then, like, for that three hours, it's like, I'm fucking Superman. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's such a interesting like paradox, and obviously not all shows are like that, mm-hmm. and not every sleeping arrangement is like that. Like I've been hooked up with certain things, and it's great, and I have the whole band with me, and we're all, you know, creating memories, and that those are, like my brothers, like my tour squad is great. Yeah. The musicians I bring are amazing, great people. Kirk who does photo and video, amazing. He's like my brother, and Ryan Pod, Ryan Pod is my tour manager, the fucking man. Like oh. I have the best, you know. Um, but it took a long time to like figure that out and like not necessarily weed certain people out but it's like this is the dynamic that works 
this is like what I can see it myself building with in the future to like do this on a bigger scale, you know? But it's like, yeah, man, long drives, like waking up early, staying up super late, eating gas station food, like not showering, just the bullshit. It's so, it's so hard. Like it's not yeah. for everybody, you know? But it's the funnest thing ever, man. And I'll never take it for granted that I get the opportunity and yeah. I like am doing well enough where like that's a thing. And it's like, yeah. yeah, I'm eating sh and I'm barely making money on tour and it's like difficult and like everyone's making sacrifices, but it's like the funnest. It's like, yeah. there's nothing, I can't even describe it. Like it's like, it's the best, man. <laughs> that's cool. It always comes with the pros and cons, but to, I don't know, I just, that moment where it's like, you're just singing your music or you're producing whatever and just all of it's out. It's just like, there's no, you don't even think about that. It's just all about yeah. that moment and it can just be amazing. Yeah, That's awesome, dude. Being on stage is the funnest possible. Like there's nothing better than being on stage, especially when you got a good crowd. Even if, cause like I've done shows with like 30 people that are so fucking fun Yeah. because those people are just there for the right reasons and like they actually love your music and they're like actually fans of what you do not just there because it's a cool thing to do that night and they're like singing along and you're just making their fucking week you know what i'm saying yeah. like it's the you know i'd rather do that because i've played shows for 500 plus where the crowd is fucking dead because yeah. they don't know me or like the show's unorganized and like they've been waiting too long or whatever or, like yeah. the sounds whatever the case may be and like i'd rather have just people that love it and like dude there's nothing better man there's nothing better <laughs> And did you do a song, uh, Out of Sight, I think it was? Out of Sight is one of my best friends in the world. Really? Absolutely. Yeah, so we have a song on my album called Burn. Or, uh, my album, yeah, my album is called Vanilla. The song is called Burn, mm -hmm. uh, featuring Out of Sight. That's how I first met him. And then... That's cool. When I moved out here, we got, like, really close. It was kind of, like, my first, like, L.A. friend. Cause he was like kind of the only guy I knew like enough where I was like, Oh, cause he's a huge basketball junkie also. So like he bonded over that very quickly. And we did another song called eye candy. That was really dope. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we actually did a, we did an NBA podcast together for a long time for like two years. Oh wow. Uh, and yeah, we recently stopped because I moved and I lived further away. So it's like, too hard to coordinate. LA is so fucking big. Yeah. Uh, so the season stopped. So I was like, yeah, we haven't done it in a bit, but that's my guy. Yeah, we got. He's got a. He just started his own label called 83 Sound um, with his producer. Um, they make incredible music, and I'm gonna be putting out some music like through his label later this year. No doubt. Um, do like all the graphic design for like all the artists on that label. Um, so like we work together a ton. Like he texted me like since this podcast started. Like that's my that's my guy. That's dope. That's dope. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thank you again. I really appreciate you coming to an episode. You just want to tell the audience and everyone what's kind of coming in the near future for you um, with your music and as an artist. Yeah, it's Dylan Reese. Um, I just want to say thank you to Slept On Sounds for giving me the platform and uh, you know having this conversation. I enjoyed it. Rap Dylan Two is on the way. Out of Pocket, the third single is coming out on June 19th. And then the last single is going to be coming out on July 10th. Um, and that's a collaboration with my boy Sammy Adams. Mm -hmm. um, and then the rest of the project will be after that. 
ton of music the rest of the year, as always. Like, I'm dropping shit all the time. If you know me, you know that already. So just uh, stay tuned. I'm excited for the rest of the year. And once again, I appreciate it, man. Well, that wraps up this episode today. Shout out to Dylan for joining me. This dude is crazy talented, and it was great having him on the show. Thank you guys for listening, and tune in next week to hear from music artist C-Word. I keep my head on a swivel, that's just how this shit goes. I can't get caught in the middle, I stick to the truth and the code. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.